everybody and welcome to Introspectional. I am your host, Leticia, and I am super, super excited for the conversation we're going to have today. We are talking about Latinx representation in space. I have a panel of incredible, incredible women to talk about this subject and to really delve deep into what has happened, what is currently happening now, and what uh, we hope to happen in the future. So I want them to introduce themselves. Luz, could you go first? Sure. Hi, I'm very excited to be here. I want to say thank you for including me in this podcast. I'm super excited. So my name is um, Lucila Rosinez. I'm a radiologist and I got into this field of sci-fi very young. I was around 11, 13 years old when I found my love of sci-fi primarily through X-Files and Voyager. So that's my background and I can't wait to get started with the conversation. (laughs) Awesome. Alexis, can you go next? Yeah, my name is Alexis Sanchez. I am the creator of Lanx Geeks, just trying to create a geeky Lanx community for all things nerdy, for people that just love and enjoy it. And I am a big Star Wars fan, minor Star Trek fan, just because there is so much and so little time. But I love what I love when it comes to certain parts of the Star Trek universe at large. Awesome. And uh, Allegra, can you finish this up? <laughs> Hi, my name is Allegra. I go by Allegriana. I am a cosplayer and artist, and I am equal in my love for Star Wars and Star Trek. I was raised by two hardcore sci-fi fans who started me off on both series when I was quite young, and they've just been like a part of my geek landscape ever since. Fantastic. I was so happy that you could join us. You could totally like balance out this panel. So uh, <laughs> that's great. And actually, uh, you already uh, answered uh, the first question that she usually asks, which is what initially got uh, you interested in speculative fiction. And so all of you answered that right at the gate. So that's fantastic. <laughs> also, before we started, we talked a little about your ethnic background specifically. And if you could you know, also share that diversity of experience within the Latinx community. Yeah, sure. So I was born in, I feel like sometimes when we have to address this, even, I feel like sometimes we even have to address like, well, okay, well, were you born here? Yeah. Were you born there? You know, because I feel like that also, maybe we'll talk a little bit more about this too, but then I feel like this also affects how we see things and how people interact with us. But anyway, I was born in New York City to Dominican parents that immigrated to the U.S., I was born here in the United States to a Bolivian mom, Salvadoran dad, and I traveled a lot back to Bolivia, but I've only been to El Salvador once, but if you know anything about the DMV, it has a very, very heavy Bolivian and Salvadoran population, so it's been a good, good mix of that culture growing up. I was born here. I was born in West Virginia to a Jamaican mom and a Puerto Rican dad. My parents are both uh, first-generation immigrants, and I've been to each island once, but I was raised mostly in, like, Southeast America, which I feel like shaped a lot of my perspective on things. Thank you for sharing. It's one of those complicated questions that you, like, (laughs) you don't want to other other people, but it's also an important part of your story, right? And I've never specifically share this on the podcast but you know I'm Leticia I'm African-American born in New York and my family has been here pretty much since slavery 
So that's my personal story. I've met Allegra through the con and she has been a panelist on my panel, Women of Color in Sci-Fi Television. And I know when we've talked sometimes we've ventured somewhat into the subject, but not deeply. And so being that we now have the space and the podcast, I want to open up the space to really get into some specifics around last next representation and making sure that we can have that kind of conversation. So actually one of my first questions for you all is who was the first Latino Latinx person either in real life or fiction that you remember being in space? Wow, that's a tough one. (laughs) Well, I know for me, the first one, and I feel like maybe the only one, and correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like the only one that I know of that has some kind of Latin background was Balana. Torres Mm -hmm. on Voyager and I'm so happy that (laughs) I was alive and old enough during the primary run to get to see her but she was my first exposure to a Latin person not only in space but also like in science. I think that was it was the same for me that was like that was noteworthy for for like me and my family uh, because our last name is Torres so Every time we, we saw her, we're like, hey, like, that's probably a cousin of ours or something, right? <laughs> but I think she was the first character that I remember was like, both like in the show had like a, a Latinx name and in real life was portrayed by a Latinx Correct. person. Correct. I'm glad you brought that up because that made a difference. Yeah. Because, you know, I actually like took note of that growing up, like, wait, the actress is also one of us kind of mentality mm-hmm. so that double I was just like Woo. but that pro- that was probably like a coincidence from of the universe you know because I'm pretty sure that they did not go into that casting saying you know let's find us a Latinx actress you know but anyway yep. I'm happy about that. <laughs> yeah that's usually how that goes when I watched Voyager I was very young and I so and my main like Star Trek show was Enterprise so For me, really, I think the first time I saw someone that I actively recognized as Latinx and not being like, this is kind of weird, like they're cool, but this is kind of weird. The first one, technically because of the last name, I was like, is Vasquez supposed to be Latinx from like Aliens 2? I was like, but the actress is 100% not. So like, as I got older, I realized how much of a caricature she is. So like very young, because I used to watch these movies very young, probably too young. I was like, okay, this is interesting. But like for like an actual like, oh, this is a Latinx actor in like in space being really cool and the parent of someone very important is probably Bail Organa. Like Jimmy Smith's like up there and in space being awesome and just knowing that, oh, that's Leia's dad. I was like, he's so cool and he's in space. And that was probably the beginning of it. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, you bring up a, like a lot of different emotions with that entire experience to specifically delve deep into, into Voyager and specifically Balana. You know, she was kind of this very unique character who brought many unique identities to the table because she was half Klingon and half human. But as far as her like navigating her heritage, it was more like always navigating her Klingon identity rather than the specifics of her human identity. So like 
how did you interpret that as a viewer? Because I feel like they kind of very generalized, oh, it's human and not like mm-hmm. she has a specific within humanity identity that yeah. needs to be explored. So did that register? What was so, that like? At least in my, in my experience, it didn't, it didn't register that much in like a negative way. I mean, I think that maybe if you were not a person of Latinx background, then it maybe it would have totally faded for you and you t- you would have just seen her as human Klingon. But I think I grabbed onto that so much that she was never anything but half Latinx, half Klingon. Whenever I thought about her, I didn't focus on, oh, she's half human. I was like, oh, but she's, she's Latin. <laughs> I think as a child, I grabbed onto that. And then also, I think it helped a lot that her last name was Torres because I think that could have easily have gotten lost if her dad was the Klingon and she had Mm -hmm. a last name that wasn't typically identified as coming from a Latinx culture because you heard her name so much throughout the show that I never forgot it maybe other people might have but like that constant reminder of her background for me as a child growing up I think like 100% like went over my head as a kid I was just like oh she's so cool she's like me she's like navigating trying to be like from two different cultures and Star Trek has always been at the forefront of of trying to share these very different very diverse groundbreaking stories which is something that I always loved about it but the point that you bring up where the half human part doesn't really get explored as much as the half Klingon is kind of an interesting parallel because what do we consider as like the norm and what do we consider as the other? So it's like, oh, so you're like half normal and you then you're also like half not, which is something that I think that we struggle with a lot in our societies. And I, I do say like speaking from like a very specifically American perspective, but there's a tendency to view like the white experience as the default and the norm. And then anything other than that is like, the exotic, the different, the unusual, the hard to comprehend that have to be like painstakingly explained to people, Hmm. which is quite othering in in many ways. Yeah, please, Luce, continue. (laughs) I feel like like what Allegra was saying, there's this normal versus other, and then a lot of different experiences get lumped into the other. So I feel like a lot of, I'm going to call them stereotypes because I guess there's nothing else. That's kind of what they are. A lot of the stereotypes that they had for Klingon, Klingon behavior, excuse me, maybe they didn't call, want them to be stereotyped, but the way that they wrote the Klingon alien character, I feel like can represent, at least in the character of Balana Torres, got translated into a lot of stereotypes for Latinx women, which is another reason why I feel like I saw her as both, and I didn't necessarily separate that human component. She just was that one person, but I think it's because in our society, at least in the 90s, when this was in the air, a lot of the same things that we saw her being portrayed as her negative Klingon characteristics, I feel like a lot of people also portrayed as stereotypical Latinx characteristics. Like maybe her temper or stubborn and and those those kind of things that can be seen as negative characteristics, specifically, I think, for a woman who is considered in some ways as an other. Yes. I think it's one of those complicated things because it's one of those things that I can totally see it, but I also know me watching her as I was growing up, that was also one of the things that made me relate to her. Yeah. Because you were also like, 
yeah, this might be a stereotype-ish, but I also understand where she's coming from, coming from this complicated background, trying to fight for uh, her space. The fact that she comes from working with the Maquis, a a background where she's used to doing something with nothing. Yeah. And then moving into this space where she has more resources, but that also means she does things her own way. I I agree with you. You kind of feel this dual complexity, right? Because on the one hand, I did love that she was given that space, right? Because too often we see women being portrayed as completely the opposite, right? Like not showing that anger or not necessarily giving into everybody. And so I feel like, yes, on that one hand, it was so nice to see her have that vocality and physicality and be able to demonstrate that and be what we call like nowadays a badass necessarily and you know not backing down from anybody but then on the other hand I was like well we didn't really explore too much of her you know stereotypical quote-unquote softer characteristics but I love her so and to make a turn into the the Star Wars universe just gonna make that sharp right yep (laughs) (laughs) and I I I love that what she mentioned about Jimmy Smith in in Star Wars and I actually I totally forgot he was there when I was like making my mental list of like who was in this universe. <laughs> but there has been kind of this interesting, I don't know if explosion is the right word, but a drastic increase recently, I feel, with Latinx actors and writers being a part of the Star Wars universe. And so what has it been like to, to see that and to see that being portrayed uh, as part of this multi-decade space odyssey? I think like with anything fantasy, sci-fi, and set either in the future or past, or just being able to see yourself existing, and oftentimes being very, very awesome at existing, it's a, it's a great feeling, especially when you're a kid and you're seeing yourself as a hero. Like, it does something to you to be able to be like, I can be that person. I can be that hero. Sure, I may not be in space right now. Maybe, yeah, exactly. Yet, like, it could happen. There is that possibility, which I think is one of my favorite parts about Star Trek, that it's like, we're still existing in the future. And that is such a cool, cool thing. And in Star Wars, it's saying that it's not just these white people that get to live out these insane fantasies about having westerns in space like it's everyone and it's really awesome i'm a history major history has always been my thing i think one of the coolest moments is always seeing tenochtitlan and the x-wings like flying out of that rebel base and you see the pyramids in the background and it's such a larger than life feeling because you're like this is so cool like i recognize that place for me specifically my family's from bolivia and in The Last Jedi, Crate, that's a real place. That's called the Salar de Uyuni in Bolivia. And it's salt oh, flats. And it's the largest salt flats in the world. And during the rainy season, it becomes a giant mirror. So when the guy, people make fun of this all the time, takes his finger, licks it, and is like, salt like yeah because it's a giant salt flat and it looks awesome and this is a real place like it's just amazing yeah every single time like it just does any other thoughts well I kind of wanted to piggyback when when Alexis was saying that when you see someone that 
represents you or your people, especially in a position of power or a leadership position, something where you're not traditionally used to seeing your character, your type of people being represented, it really affects you, especially as a child, but it just hits you in that one spot. And I I know all of us here can understand where we're coming from, but that's exactly the feeling that I got when I was seeing Balana becoming the chief engineer of this starship. And like you said, she came from this background where she was with the Maquis with, you know, they were scrambling, getting scraps together and she really got to learn on the job, et cetera. But then now all that experience materializes into her being the chief engineer of like a Starfleet ship. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> I was like, that's awesome. And I want to be in a leadership position. I think about how, depending on how we associate with the world, I feel, I feel like a lot of, you know, different people of various marginalized identities, you, you grow up and you are figuring out how to deal with this little bit and this little bit, and you may not have everything and you cobble it together. And then sometimes you do end up elevated into place. You're like, oh, you guys have all of this stuff. I can deal with that. But if that <laughs> didn't exist, I'd be okay. And having that focus, that tenacity, that innovation work that's required. I think it's, it's awesome. And speaking of like seeing people of your, you know, own background in leadership positions and the position of the hero in these stories, I remember I read an interview of this father who's talking about how impactful it was to see Diego Luna in Rogue One speak uh, with his accent. And also in Picard, you have Santiago Cabrera's character. He has an avatar that speaks only Spanish. And I was thinking about kind of how do these cultural markers, their influence the sci-fi genre. And like you also mentioned with Balana, her last name being Torres, like they like have this cultural marker that identifies a, a specific culture as opposed to erasing it, which does happen on occasion. So what does that do to the story? Yeah, I think with Diego Luna's character, keeping his accent like Diego's accent, it was just such a big moment of you don't have to change the way you talk to be to portray this hero because often you have to either put on a more american accent or a british accent in the new at least the new star wars universe where everyone happens to be british i just picked up a british accent right exactly like makes no sense but you know there we go so having him keep his accent it was such a cool moment because like my dad also he's been here like over 35 years he still has an accent when he speaks English like that's just how it is and so it's just a really cool moment to have this hero having that accent and knowing that he did not have to change it to be able to portray this character and he's still awesome like it's just another little like signifier that's like he's like you and it's okay and it's awesome that's great. <laughs> I think that one of the key words that just kind of popped to my head right now is self-confidence, feeling good about yourself, because I feel like so many people, they hear all these messages constantly and you don't develop that self-confidence, you know, that love of yourself, that love of everything about you and everything that you are. And when you see people that are representative of you and who you are and, and your background, then that self-confidence starts developing. And that's why it's so important to have these characters out there. And especially like Alexa said, in the way that they are, you know, 
have that accent out there. So many people get brought down because they have this accent or how many times have any of us have heard the line, oh, you know, you're in America now, so you guys speak English. To have, like you said, that avatar and, and Picard speaking Spanish, it's like, we, we can all exist here, like, take it mm-hmm. easy, you know? So that is just blossoming that self-confidence and so just kind of being like, get out of here with that nonsense. <laughs> yeah, and even uh, Chris's, the non-avatar version, the real version of it, his character speaks with an accent as well. Like, it's not fully, like, American accent. So it's nice to see that, however far into the future. <laughs> <laughs> For me, it shows, like, a real cultural shift that they're in these like fairly big name franchises and the powers that be did not deem it necessary to make them like more Americanized. Mm -hmm. They were like, we think this will fly. And it's purely a money-based decision. Um, I'm not going to claim that there was probably not like a ton of Hollywood CEOs who are like, you know what we should do for Latinx representation? (laughs) (laughs) You know what we should do? We should do the right thing. (laughs) I I think they were probably just like, it's fine. But like, for me, that was really significant because like my dad, when he was a wee youngin growing up in New York, his mom did not want him and his younger siblings to grow up with a Spanish accent. She mm-hmm. felt very strongly that that was going to negatively impact their chances of being taken seriously in professional and academic settings. And so she spoke English to them and she required them to speak English and their teacher spoke English and she didn't teach them Spanish. And so my dad doesn't speak Spanish. He, he understands it, I think, pretty okay, but he doesn't speak it. And he doesn't have an accent. And I grew up also not speaking it and I was just constantly reminded as a kid well and and as an adult and pretty much growing up in any time I ran into like my relatives from Puerto Rico reminded Mm -hmm. that like there was this uh, major disconnect from this part of my heritage because 50 plus years ago my my grandmother wanted what she believed was the best possible thing for him which was to be as Americanized as possible and that you know had this generational effect where like I you know don't have quite that same native speaking level of like understanding and being able to communicate and so just like seeing seeing these actors up there like speaking with their beautiful accents and it just being seen as like a, an ordinary commonplace thing that was in no way reflective of like their ability to do a job was mm. tremendous. Mm. Wow. Yeah, just, I'm sorry, like I gotta like take that in for a bit. <laughs> it, it, it take, it's a lot, right? Like to, to have to process. And then my family members have similar, you know, not exactly the same, but similar in the sense that they were ex- very self-conscious of how they sounded because they wanted to come off as intelligent. You know, you always get put into this corner where like, if you sound a certain way, it, it means that you don't, you're not intelligent about something, but we all know mm-hmm. that that's completely, completely false. But it's the reason why little kids end up translating for their parents, even though their parents probably can speak English and can get it across because they don't want to, you know, they're self-conscious of it. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's why these conversations and the fact that it's shown out there is, is very important. Do you guys see that post on Twitter that was like, what's something that's considered uh, classy if you're rich and trashy if you're poor? And someone is like speaking multiple languages. And I was just like, oh. oh. 
yeah oh my, oh, my kid can speak two languages like yeah so can a lot of kids <laughs> oh man i did not see that yeah i remember like it was a big deal over one of the royal kids one of the little british royals mm-hmm. it was like oh mm-hmm. she speaks like there's another language and they're like so do most children of immigrants so your point is yeah like, so do most just european kids in general too yeah like, like it's not like this super fancy thing it's an and- average I actually want to circle this back to something that you mentioned in Legriana about the idea of white American culture seems like the default human culture, if you will, especially if we're talking about like things in space and what we do here. I think it would be interesting to have like a multilingual space odyssey, if you will, or something like that. And there are, I think, a few more properties from several like South American countries, which have been kind of translated into English or, or moved over here. So what do you think it would take to have that kind of, you know, we, we have had some kind of bodies in the room from different cultural backgrounds, but what do you think it would take to have multiple accents or, or languages in the room in our media? Well, I'm going to go ahead and just say that one of my pet peeves in science fiction is the idea of like monoculture plants where you just have like, here are these people, they're all exactly the same. They all partake in the same beliefs. They all like, and they, the Star Trek was, was real bad about this, where it's just like, <laughs> oh, like here are the Klingons, the warrior race, here are the Vulcans, they're the logical ones. And it's just like, it's so unrealistic. Like when you look at our prime and only example of intelligent life like here we are we are achieving space travel and there are so many different cultures and like you can just pick a country and there's still like a multitude of beliefs Mm -hmm. and languages reflected there and I mean even like just looking at the United States yes the predominant language is English but the dialects are varied and the cultural practices are all over the place Mm -hmm. and there is no single religion that like you know, is, is like the one that everybody follows. So I think part of it is just getting writers and directors and stories that kind of understand that. Even a, the dominant culture is not the only culture. And I suspect a large part of that is getting people who are not from the dominant culture, who have experience with the multitude of cultures within a single country, to have more say in in the the world building, the the characters, the cultures that they depict in these stories. That's my nerd literary rant. So speaking of narrow views, I feel like America does have actually have a very, very narrow view of what someone from a Latin culture looks like or background. Like it's very narrow when people who do have that background can be as light as Alexis Bedell or as dark as Celia Cruz or it's this wide range. And I feel like some actors like Gina Torres, who is Afro-Latina, isn't really identified that way. Mm-hmm. often and you know there are other other actors on the other side of the spectrum as well who again don't get identified so do you feel like something is lost when that background isn't made clear either with the character or the actor what do you think of consequences of like Lance and X undercover I don't know yeah it's been a problem for as long as other people have taken control of Latinx media because I mean 
Latin America, like any other place, has a multitude of races. And thank you, history and colonialism and all of that. (laughs) There is the same race structure in Latin America. You have white people at the top, black and indigenous people at the bottom. That's the way it is. It's a race and class system that matches the United States. But in the United States, that idea is very much lost. And the idea of that Latinidad is like this giant monolith and everyone falls perfectly inside of it when that's very much not true. I mean, most of Latin America, if you identify yourself, you identify yourself by like what country you're from. We all like have said where we're from and not just, oh, you know, I'm Latinx. Like it's, it's a whole multitude of pe- people very very large large area of the world and in the U.S. it's you're Latina and you look a certain way and it's a very very closed-minded way of thinking it and it's why Catherine Zeta-Jones was able to play Latina who knows how many times and Floriana Lima can get away with it too like we have a joke like they like spicy white that they're they're white actors that have just enough, just enough. that you're kind of like mm, okay maybe they can be flat next you know is that a hint of a tan I see yeah <laughs> like do they tan okay, okay okay yeah that's obviously and which is why like you mentioned people like Gina Torres like even other Latinos don't recognize her as being Latina like it's a huge problem and in the U.S. that's very much how people view it and you might get some like distinction like oh if you're from the west coast you're Mexican if you're from South Florida you're Cuban if you're from New York you're Puerto Rican like and that's how it divides and there's nothing else you so it's it's a huge problem Latinos are also very very much guilty of this I say it all the time Latinos have a huge race problem that anti-blackness is probably one of the biggest problems we have in our community and I mean until people realize that there is no like how to be Latino and that it's just not a monolith like very little is going to change. Yeah I feel like it comes down to to bring it back to what we're talking about representation, right? Because it's all about what is shown, right? Most people, I'm not going to expect to know, I'm making like quotation marks, like (laughs) what a Latina looks like or what a Latina acts like. You don't know how many times in my life people have been like, oh, where are you from? And I tell them I'm Dominican. They're like, for real? You don't look Dominican. I'm like, can you stop with it, please? But when you think about it, it's maybe because most people are looking at telenovelas. They're looking at the mm-hmm. people on the news. When you put on Univision, who are the people that you see doing the broadcasting, right? So you have to assume most people in America don't travel, right? They haven't been to other places, especially if you're landlocked. If you live in the middle of the country and you're not exposed to all these new you know, people coming in from other places, that's all that you're going to think about when you think about a, a Latino or Latina. That's why I just put it all back to lack of representation. And no. like Alexa was saying, the people in power and people who have the money look a certain way. It's just facts. Like, facts. Just facts. Yeah, I, I think part of it is like the conflation of like race and culture in the United States mm-hmm. that people have not quite like fully divested themselves of the idea of like what race is. And that's why they're so quick to visually segregate people into different categories. 
based on like their perception of like how white or not white you are. And I was doing like a little bit of quick reading. So I had some talking points before uh, this and I was like, oh, like, let me look up like Latina representation. And, you know, there's like every single article. It's like Eva Longoria, Jennifer Lopez, like just kind of all the all like very standard people. And like I had to find specifically a like Afro-Latina, Afro-Latinx representation before like Gina Torres came up. Yeah. And and I was like, hmm. Yep, there might be there might be a little bit of, of a problem here. But yeah, the issue of colorism within like the Latinx community is fairly significant. And I do feel like there's this constant uh, like constant push pull between people who how do I say this? There are some people who have the privilege to be closer to the, the white ideal standard and it is difficult to get them to acknowledge uh, and recognize yeah. the, the, like, the privilege that that brings them, yeah. that, they, that they adhere more closely to like this white Western ideal of what is like good looking, what is successful. And when these conversations happen and these people get asked about stuff, they very often overlook the fact that like, you know, as tough as it, as it is for them to get roles, for them to get representation, it is, 10 times, 100 times tougher for the like Afro-Latina community to get that same, mm-hmm. like those same meager crumbs. Yep. And that's something that I really hope moving forward in the conversation that people can start talking about because I was like, I was super thrilled for the Latinx representation in Star Wars, but it did not escape my notice that like the big name actors are, are both quite fair-skinned mm-hmm. and I would love for uh, Star Wars to, to bring in a more complete representation of, of the Latinx community. I have a question to ask for everybody. So this was kind of why I kind of was okay with Balana's character not being that, for the writers to not be very specific in terms of her background. It worked, in my opinion, I think it worked for her in terms of not saying or not having a specific episode where they delved into that and said, oh, you know, her dad is Cuban or her dad is Venezuelan, whatever, only because I feel like then it, it, it unified a little bit more or it had that ability to unify a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I think it worked for her is because they focused so much on her Klingon side and that on delving into the specifics about her Klingon side versus her Latin heritage, whereas it did not work for the character of Chakotay. I know we're not talking about that, but in the sense that I know that the writers wanted to lump him into Native American indigenous without specifically saying what tribe he identified with. And the reason it did not work for him was because then they tried to have these specific rituals that didn't belong to any you know, so I feel like mm-hmm. with Balana, I was kind of happy in a way that they did not identify where she came from only because then I felt like they would have gotten into more trouble had they tried to give her specific rituals, cultural yeah. her- backgrounds to f- try and follow. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if you two feel that same way. Yeah, I think it definitely uh, saves it sometimes because sometimes if they get too specific it just come like they don't research enough and it just comes out wrong like you're just like 
this character is supposed to be like Ecuadorian and yet nothing about them says like so that, that is true that is sometimes the good thing of being a little bit more general that like it creates more of a unifying experience instead of like a divisive one right yeah. yeah, I guess right now, like if they had tried, we might be having a different conversation of like <laughs> the things that did not age well. Yeah. But yeah, I I I, I do agree. I, I definitely hope that the solution to this will not be like, oh, let's never specify anything yeah. about oh, characters. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. let us do yeah. the necessary research to bring right. an authentic experience mm -hmm. for these characters, which I do feel like they're getting better at. Like definitely yeah. we have seen more movies uh, and more characters that their heritage is not something that's like vague and like just kind of haphazardly grabbed at random from like their box of stereotypes, but like <laughs> that actual thought and research and consideration <laughs> went into yeah. the things that kind of informed their identity. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm just picturing like the box of stereotypes, <laughs> right? and, like where all the stereotypes are in and it's like, Ooh, what do we have? We're gonna throw random yeah. flag. Every time you shake it, you just hear maracas. <laughs> A Latin beat every time they talk. <laughs> Characters oh, just like man. dancing like the entire yeah. time. <laughs> no explanation. But actually, you kind of don't tell like my last question was, which is what do you hope to see in the future of, of Star Trek, Star Wars, and other sci-fi properties when it comes to, to Latinx representation? I need an actual Latinx actress in Star Wars where we see her face and everything it's and not she's an not alien. an alien. Thank <laughs> not you. An alien. Not Please. an alien. Because listen, like Ahsoka Tano is one of my favorite characters in the world, but still an alien. And so still like I need it and I need it to be Shara Bay played by Gina Torres. <laughs> Yeah. So Shara Bay is Poe Dameron's mom, and she is, if you've read the comics, she is absolutely gorgeous. And Gina Torres would fit it so perfectly. That's Please what I just want. That's put Gina wish. Torres in things. That's all we're yeah. asking. She's, a, she's voiced a, a bounty hunter in Rebels, but I just right. need her face in it. That's my face. one wish. That covers all my hopes and dreams for Star Trek and, and Star Wars. <laughs> Any other thoughts? If you could talk to Disney, Paramount, and just be like, yo, we're in this meeting. This is what you need to do. You have oh, the I mean, money. In that case, I want to be in Star Trek <laughs> and all Star Wars. I mean, I can make it work. <laughs> that is, our, that is our, our new campaign, and I am excited for it. I, I hope that like some like executive or producer, someone is listening to this. And they, they know that, like, all we want is for Alexis and Gina to be cast in things so we can be like, oh, it's so good. <laughs> they can't be aliens. They, we have to see yeah, their faces. Yeah. Zoe Saldana is going to play every freaking alien in the galaxy oh, uh, before, before, you know, we're allowed to just have, like, <laughs> Latinx people who can just, like, be themselves. Yeah. I would like also yes. for the representation to be the range of characters. Yeah. I would like to see not just the tough, strong, fiery Latina woman. I would also like to see the soft, dorky, nerdy Latina woman um, mm. who is not going to get into a fight because that's just not how she is. <laughs> I would like to see range. Like, just write them as people. 
right? Like, yep. just, just write the characters. What a concept. <laughs> with human emotions and desires. Right? You were saying that, Electra, like, literally, that's what yeah. I was thinking in my head. I'm like, these are all the other characters. They have no problem. There's no problem in writing these other kinds of characters. Just write them as people, humans, or, or aliens, whatever. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> Write them as characters with full lives with and, full, yeah, and, full, and full connections spectrum. and backgrounds and Correct. community and cares and worries and concerns and yes. are not perfect, but you know, who try hard or is a very, very complicated villain. Yep. <laughs> yeah, because like at the, at the end of the day, like what we're hoping for, right, is to feel like seen. We want to feel that other people see these characters and see like their potential and see like how much they can achieve and when the character is not like fully realized like that then it starts feeling a little bit like oh like that's what they see when they see me they don't see like a full three-dimensional person they see like this kind of 2d stereotype bordering kind of entity and yeah so people that would be great Latin actors playing Latinx characters. Right? Hello. Yes. Please. That's uh, why yeah, that's so, it. That's the last that's one. Why, that's why it was so exciting when Roxanne was like Balana. And I was like, <laughs> right? <laughs> 20 something years later, before we got another Latinx actor mm-hmm. in the franchise. Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, listener, you're missing the very sad. <laughs> Just imagine the slowest, yeah. weakest thumbs up possible. Like, uh, like the the representation is improving, and the the number of Latinx people who are directing and writing is improving. But like, if you look at the statistics, when they're like, oh, like four percent of movies or whatever, they have to be like, oh, like that happened in the last like four years. So it's not we're really starting from like from scratch trying to build up the representation which doesn't make sense since the latinx community is the largest minority population in the united states very big not to mention latin america yep which is one of the largest markets in the world it's y'all y'all keep on leaving Mm. money on the table man but yeah when we're allowed to go back to movie theaters, by God, there will be some <laughs> decisions made about how our money is used. All right, well, ladies, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, this has been a fantastic conversation. I've loved your heart and your insight and everything you've brought to the table. So where can people find you on the social medias, on the interwebs, if they want to get in contact with you or, or learn about your next projects? So you can find me, Alexis, at uh, Rexus92, so R-E-X-U-S-92, or Latinx Geeks on everything, pretty much. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, not so much anymore, but we're there. (laughs) You can find me on Twitter, Luz, L-U-Z-X-Ray, X-R-A-Y-M-D. And all I have planned for 2021 is trying to do more of these because I love them. This is the part where I always regret picking a really long name for myself. It's backfiring horribly. You can find <laughs> me. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, etc. at Allegriana. That is spelled A-L-L-E-G-R-I-A-N-A. I should have picked an easier handle <laughs> in hindsight. It's no. a beautiful handle. I love it. Yeah. 
Don't give it. Yeah. yeah. No. But you guys are all going to learn how to pronounce this. That's right, Dan. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> learn how to pronounce people's names. That's yeah. also what we want in 2021. If you if you can say Dostoevsky and Tchaikovsky, you can say Legoriana. That's right. Thank um, you. Yes. <laughs> and my projects for 2021 will be maybe pulling a single unfinished costume out of my closet and looking sadly at it. I guess I've spent most of the year writing, so... 2021, I will do Anne costume and I will continue to write some more. Huzzah. There we go. Hey, Look after her book, 2021, 2022. 2029. <laughs> <laughs> the speed at which the writing is happening. It's the commas. It's the commas. <laughs> How many commas? Where do they go? Well, <laughs> you all, this has been fantastic. Please, you know, come back. And everyone, this has been Introspectional. Again, I am your host, Leticia, and everyone, have a great day. Thank you.